Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello there and welcome to another episode of Jedi Order Podcast. Today we are talking about one of the most loved films in the Skywalker saga and considered by many to be the best Star Wars film ever made. The Empire Strikes Back. This year the film marks its 40th anniversary. So to mark this at Jedi Order, myself and my good friend Artif are revisiting the film to talk about why it was a game changer and how it added so much to the Skywalker tale. So without further ado... Here is episode 4, a 40th anniversary celebration. It is Ardziff. How are you doing, dude? I'm doing very well, mate. Very well. I'm looking forward to discussing one of the... Well, possibly the finest film of the Star Wars canon, as well as one of the finest films ever made. That is Empire Strikes Back. So very much looking forward to this. Just throwing statements all over the place. Oh, of course. How can you not? Well, you told us that you used to watch these films originally in Spanish when you were growing up. And you guys used to revisit A New Hope, Return of the Jedi, a lot more frequently than you used to revisit Empire. How come that was the case? So, <laughs> as uh, as we've discussed, yeah, I used to watch them in Spanish uh, when I was a, a kid because my mum's side of the family is Spanish, and so that's that was our introduction to Star Wars. And yeah, I mean, as kids, we very much picked up on the fact that A New Hope and Return of the Jedi were always the more positive and hopeful editions of the of the original trilogy. And overall, I suppose you know when you look at the the trilogy, they are the most fun films for kids in terms of action and a happy ending and some interesting characters. Whereas Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> as we all know, its tone is so vastly different from A New Hope. And as a kid, <laughs> I don't think, well, for a lot of the time, it always feel, the, the film always felt quite sad and quite glum because there were so many, just from the beginning, starting in on Hoth, which is this, desolate barren wasteland i mean that really does sum up how different the, the tone of the film is compared to you know the start of a new hope where you're on tatooine and it's hot and and empire strikes back from the get-go immediately goes the opposite direction and throughout the film i mean the whole thing is is littered with awkward moments sad parts um betrayals loss defeat and i think as a kid it was always because <laughs> We always used to watch um, a film, one of the original trilogy films, like usually most weekends. Uh, Empire Strikes Back was always the one that, you know, left you with quite a, a sad feeling afterwards. So it was one of the ones that we used to watch less just to avoid that feeling. But of course, as you get older and you rewatch the original trilogy, and as I just rewatched them the other day, I mean, Empire Strikes Back is just such a... I actually appreciate more than ever the fact that it's such a different film to a new hope and it's just a cinematic masterpiece really in so many different ways from the storytelling to 
again the the magnificent sets the the characters that are introduced new characters both and also the older characters and how they develop and actually one thing that we haven't mentioned i think on yesterday's on on the podcast for new hope was just a shout out to of course i mean it's kind of a given but i just have to say that the the music across the original trilogy from john williams is so brilliant as well that it outlines the feelings of every scene and every emotion and the the parts of suspicion and and happiness and sadness and kind of a given for most Star Wars fans that the music is always incredible. Um, and I think in Empire Strikes Back, it is one of those films where it works so brilliantly well because the film is so dramatic. And so that sort of soundtrack and stirring emotional soundtrack is really needed for it. Um, so I, I really do think it is this vastly different film from A New Hope, but because of that, it, it makes... First of all, the trilogy, incredibly diverse, the original trilogy, but also it just takes you on a completely different ride, which is, it really is a, a mark of great storytelling and filmmaking. Absolutely. And firstly, when you mentioned Hoth there, there's so many memorable moments that happen in Hoth to get you get you going. Firstly, it's great to start the film on a different planet with different scenery, different set design, automatically it's just really exciting to kind of go to, and you go to quite a few different worlds in this one, which is another great thing about this film. But we have so much in that host sequence, initially with Luke being attacked by this giant Wampa, which leads us, I mean, firstly, shout out again to the creature designs. Oh, absolutely. Again, I can't Forgive me if this is pronounced wrong, but Tontons? Is it Tontons that they yeah, ride? The Tontons, yeah. Tontons. Yeah, so the Tontons and Wampas in the first few elements, you get these two amazing new creatures introduced into the Star Wars universe, which is a great addition. And once again, the practical effects are pretty outstanding, especially knowing that this is obviously filmed in Norway in the middle of snowstorms itself anyway. But that perfectly leads us on at the beginning of the film is when we get our first taste of the force being truly used by Luke for the first time, rather than just a voice in his head from Obi-Wan or Obi-Wan saying he's going to be more powerful than you can ever imagine, you know, which leads us on to him seeing Kenobi for the first time in the force ghost. I mean, for me, I thought that was a great introduction. Once again, like we were saying before, a really nice subtle introduction to the Force. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this first scene is absolutely great for doing these small moments which have very large or continuing repercussions or, or continuing themes, really, um, throughout, the, throughout the film and the series. Uh, and I think the... I mean, that was one thing that I picked up on as well because... Of course, you know, as I mentioned, the the landscape of Hoth is so bleak and so different to what it was before that it almost feels as if the life is kind of sucked out. But then you are introduced to Luke already. I mean, already from the beginning and the fact that Luke is out there by himself on his own mission, it already tells you so much about how much he's changed since A New Hope. And the fact that he's older, he's taking on missions by himself and he's independent. He's friends with Han as well and they're they're 
sort of brotherly buddies as well, which is, uh, you know, already a different change to their kind of brotherly bickering uh, from A New Hope. And so from already that, you can see how much he's developed in the rebellion and and how his place has grown, really. And then, of course, yeah, he gets taken out by the monster, held in the cave. And that's when you get that real first look at the power of the force and, and his ability to use it. And it's such a powerful scene. And I remember as a kid, always kind of not really thinking much of it. But then now it it, it, it really is just, it's such a, an interesting demonstration to show as an introduction for the film where he's, how far he's come in his training and his understanding and of course, uh, discussion with Obi-Wan. And then as the, the hot scene goes on, there's so many various other elements as well, which really illustrate that how much the characters have developed so i mean han solo and the way he's talking to the rebellion soldiers and people and how they regard him as captain and general he's no longer this sort of irresponsible scoundrel who's doing it just for the money he actually has some some cause and drive to help the rebellion and then of course you know his whole relationship with leia is just i mean from the beginning it really is already this flirty but awkward romance that he's pushing and she's just keeps rebuffing him as this sort of, <laughs> you know, just this, uh, well, you know, as, as she goes on to say as, as a scoundrel. Um, and I, I just find that there's so many little moments that just highlight that the, these, it serves as a perfect introduction to where the film is going and where the characters are going as well. And of course you've still got R2 and C3PO playing quite main uh, roles as well as providing a lot of the comedy relief you've got Chewbacca there as well as the as Han's sort of helpful sidekick still still very much within the frame so there's so whilst all the characters are the same as A New Hope it feels already that they've developed and 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 become closer as a team really and they've moved on and grown up and and that's already it there's so much about the tone of the film that tells you that this is already you know from the first 10 minutes that it's a completely different film and that's what makes it so interesting and intriguing to see where it goes afterwards that's definitely it and the structure of the film they don't waste any screen time with this film they really use up every minute as an opportunity to tell the story as a whole or the story for individual characters because when we get that point between luke being captured by the Wampa, we don't go straight to a rescue scene or fast forward to the fact that he's missing. We get to have that catch up, like you said, between Han and Leia and see where their relationship has evolved because it's it's kind of hilarious. Han's frustration comes through, which kind of goes against the arrogant sure of himself vibe that we get from the first film where you feel he wouldn't let that side of him, especially come about in a room full of people but he's clearly she clearly pushes all the right buttons for hard to go to that level and it's great because like yeah we get to see where all these characters have come since a new hope there's obviously a lot has happened especially with luke using the force because we don't know has he been talking to obi-wan at all the way he kind of sees him in the snow makes you feel that maybe that's the first time he's seen him in that form yet he's still developing force powers force abilities maybe it'd be interesting to know 
is that from Jedi text or something that he's found to further his training in his mind? Obviously, Yoda furthers it a lot more when he actually goes to the Dagobah system later on. But yeah, it's a, it's very interesting how they manage to evolve these characters a fair bit in just, you know, probably 10, 15 minutes worth of opening film. Absolutely. And I think also it's not just the characters on the Rebellion side, but of course, when the first shot we see of Darth Vader uh, on his gigantic Star Destroyer and he's pensively looking out into space and even that shot and him kind of, and all his commanders looking around at him almost worried um, by what he might or might not do but that's already somewhat of a departure from the Darth Vader we knew in the first film because he again it's, it's like as you said with the comparison with Soda like he was so sure of himself and so forthright and you know led from the front etc and of course in uh after a new hope you know they've suffered the defeat of their death star being destroyed he now understands about skywalk and that there's this other jedi to contend with and it leaves it gives him a lot of food for thought and also the fact that he has to i suppose address his own tactics in a completely different way and that I just love that kind of intro shot of him from behind looking out into space. And it almost seems like, oh, wow, he's being surprisingly non-threatening and kind of quiet. And that already indicates so much. And I have to say, I really do love him as a character in this film and, and how Vader develops and, and becomes more of a more of a speaking role in terms of providing a lot of context and importance and understanding of the force from from his point of view and and that battle between good and evil because it in a new hope whilst there is a lot of that he it's very much he has just these brilliant one-liners that establish him as this very key villain but i feel that in empire strikes it takes him to a new depth really as well as luke as well of course i mean that's one of the things that i love the most about empire strikes back is the the way that once luke's training starts it it really does start delving deeper into the the jedi way and understanding and training and and what it is to be a Jedi and and against being a Sith and the sort sorts of temptations that you get. So I, I think there's just so much that the characters put they they, they build on so much of, of what they had established in A New Hope, and that's I think one of the the key things is that we don't have many new main characters, but what we do get from our main characters is so satisfying and so character building and also so character driven that. That, I, for me, really makes this film. And of course, you know, as, as we were saying for A New Hope, I mean, the dialogue is so on point for this film. And I feel whenever whenever I watch this, it takes the formula of A New Hope and then it, it takes it one step further. So A New Hope is, you know, very much centered around the two main storylines, which is the side from the rebels and the side from, well, the rebels and Jedi and the side from the Empire and Sith. And... What's so interesting about Empire Strikes Back is that we then have three main storylines that develop and then come and then weave together. Uh, and which are, which are, of course, I mean, it, it starts together and then they split apart. And that's kind of the interesting part about this film is that that separation of the main crew is also w one of those kind of bleak and sad moments as well as a as a as a fan of the of the films. It, it feels almost like, a, a you know, somewhat of a painful separation, especially considering what happens to the characters. But I think those three main storylines, you know, Luke and his Yoda training, Han and Leia and escaping the Empire and developing their relationship. And then, of course, Vader 
chasing Luke as well as Han and Leia and trying to catch them and and obviously catch Han Solo etc and it's so masterfully woven between the three that as you said there's there's more sets there's more planets that they're on but the way that the the film is edited between the storyline means that they all progress at the same rate giving you the main character's development a steady input and I think that's something that they've really balanced out quite nicely and it never really lulls there's a lot of heavy information but it doesn't feel like it's 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 lulls kind of like attack of the clones the the information that it gives is much more contextually relevant and rich with history and and context and and character development which makes it so powerful yeah very much especially what you focused on on vader at the beginning when you first see the empire come back onto the screen you get firstly you get his ship which suddenly dwarfs all the other star destroyers that we've previously seen before it's kind of like the empire comes onto the scene in this film saying that we mean business and then when you see vader not only has he already established himself as this menacing uh, evil villain character you see now the fear from more so from the his own people that work for him within the empire that amazing scene when he's walking across the walkway yeah. and you see all the people the troopers or soldiers working down below just looking up kind of in <laughs> in fear that he's going to stop and look at them at any particular moment but it's also interesting because we talk about character development we talk about how some of these characters have moved on there's obviously a lot that's happened between the last film and this film and this is where you see a side of vader that he is consumed obviously by anger and hatred because he really hasn't moved on and he's just obsessed with capturing all our heroes from the first film they seem to have moved on in terms of they're still fighting obviously against the empire but they're all doing as you say luke's off doing solo missions han and chewie has obviously probably been doing missions they've got to know leia a lot more so they might have done missions together and all these other elements have come in whereas vader it's almost like rather than take over the galaxy let's just capture and wipe out these people and that's all he can see at the moment. But that leads a lot to his character and a lot to his character's development within this film and how we see him. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he... his Particularly, I, I find that his... It's it's interesting. As well, and of course, you know, we, we see his first, his first interaction with the Emperor and we get our first exposure to the Emperor and, and their sort of relationship and, and really... I think from A New Hope onwards, you really do think that Darth Vader is the one pulling the strings. But of course, once the Emperor comes into play, all of a sudden it feels that, okay, there's much more to play. And and also there's a a grander plan for what Vader hopes to do for himself and for Luke as well. And there's that quite interesting part. I'm always watching the part when he's talking with the Emperor and the Emperor tells him to kill Luke first. And then Vader convinces him to make him his follower. I always find that part interesting because it, it, I think it, it's one of those little crumbs that tells you where Vader can go either way. Either he can go completely, you know, towards the dark side and, and doing his thing, or he's 
almost experimenting more with not always being so completely evil. And I, whilst it, obviously the drive is to make Luke into the Sith Lord, there's some forgiving there, that fatherly forgiving, I suppose, that you could say, that makes him an even more in-depth character that he's almost... Because if it is a, a plot for the Sith, then he's much more cunning than even the Emperor shows. But if he if it's not for a Sith, then it also shows that he has much more heart than uh, a Sith Lord would have for his son. Uh, and I always find that quite interesting because it, it, it leaves you with a, a slight question in your mind as to which way he's going to go. And of course, we know which way he goes. But I think that's a real interesting seed for the Vader character and, and the way his storyline develops. Completely. And the Emperor's introduction as a whole changes so many things because when we first find out that there's actually someone controlling vader because of the way you look at it from the beginning is that vader is kind of heading up the empire to a certain extent you got governor tarkin especially in the first one who seems to more take the leading role and vader seems like his dark sidekick almost and then in this one as we know tarkin has gone it seems that vader has taken up the mantle but then of course we get introduced to the emperor and firstly i must say it's one scene that i am happy with the visual effects changes that have been made and the fact that Ian McDermott came in and re-recorded his scenes for Empire Strikes Back, you know, with all the new makeup and everything that you get Absolutely. from the prequels and then from the sequels that you currently see now. That's more fitting because I think I can remember the original makeup effect for the Emperor wasn't nearly as effective no. or menacing. I mean, the hood adds so much to it obviously but i do very much appreciate that visual effect i have to give that one a shout out that was lucas doing the right thing yeah actually that's an interesting point that you touched upon because i find that the cgi updates for empire strikes back compared to uh, a new hope you know there there were some really standout kind of awkward cgi scenes uh, which don't particularly work against the original setting but i find that in empire strikes back that nothing really feels out of place in terms of the cgi i think you know in cloud city there's some cgi and things like that but because it feels quite futuristic and it's a floating city it doesn't really feel that wrong and it's so brief anyway that you don't have to dwell on it either so i think yeah you're right that you know lucas in this film he really managed to use cgi well with the with the older films to update them to somewhat of a modern standard and yeah you can't really tell that it nothing really stands out as 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 awkward or or not working it, it feels very natural and thankfully as well you know there's a lot of key scenes within this film such as you know Luke's Jedi training or and and meeting Vader that where Lucas probably could have used a lot of CGI effects to make the same points but even bigger but he doesn't Thankfully, he did that because those original, again, that original Jedi training is so powerful that why change it? So I think in this film, he actually, yeah, gets those CGI updates right compared to A New Hope and even parts of Return of the Jedi as well. I mean, which we will, I, there, there, I do have some contention with some of the CGI used in Return of the Jedi, um, which we'll go into uh, <laughs> on that episode. But yeah, I think I think on Empire Strikes Back, it feels like a, a, a nice balance and and 
and nothing really seems too out of place in in terms of the the, the updates but and I think that just is mainly because the the original film works so well in terms of the effects and the sets and scenarios that they used. When when watching this film the other day, just after A New Hope, I have to say, it feels like it retains the spirit of A New Hope. But you can tell that because A New Hope was so successful that with Empire Strikes Back, they have expanded their production value across everything whether it's it's on hoth and building the base and the of course yoda's planet and the training and vader's uh star destroyer and leia and luke on the deaths on the millennium falcon and then on the comet and escaping vader i mean there's so many more set pieces that they use to build out the story but not in a way which feels too ott or exaggerated or or too much it just feels that i mean this is one of the, the great things about the original trilogy is that there's so you learn so much of the of the Star Wars universe through just the characters' situations that they end up in, uh, but not through them feeling like it's forced or having to do something that's uh, false. It, it really is just quite a natural progression from one thing to the other. And again, that concise dialogue really tells you so much about where they are and and the context of of things and and the situation and how people are regarded. I mean, for me, I always think of, of the scene of, of Luke's training with Yoda and that initial conversation. And, and I mean, initially meeting Yoda as well, I have to say that is quite, it, it's so, so comical. It's so funny. He's, he's such a little funny little guy and he's so, un, you know, you're so unassuming of who he is because he's just this, <laughs> funny little green creature who's raiding Luke's stuff. And and I love that that development that he goes from being this sort of, again, this kind of you know, a little bit of a comical, you know, he's a little bit silly. And then does this complete 180 and, and speaks to Obi-Wan and, and and starts teaching Luke about these. And the, the, the things that he tells Luke about the Force are so rich with, with the history and understanding of what it is. And I, I love those scenes and it really tells you so much about it, it. It's expanding on that scene, that initial scene of Obi-Wan and Luke in a new hope. And Yoda just takes it that one step further. And, and he really iterates the point as well of, of, of frustration and where that can lead for someone like Luke and having, you know, recently watched the prequels and discussed them as well. I mean, there's so much that you can mirror with Anakin and and that sort of useful annoyance that Luke has in not being able to control his destiny as he wants and and you know become the Jedi Knight and save his friends and and those are the things that we know can tempt him to the dark side and, and the way Yoda tells him about it and educates it. and then as we see his progression throughout the film and then coming up against Vader it's so it's so it creates such an interesting arc for his character because by the end of the film you really feel as if he can go either way really you know he's becoming more and more powerful but you're not sure whether he's going to choose between what he feels is right or what he feels is his destiny really with perhaps with his family or not yeah completely and going back to I also absolutely love our introduction to Yoda. I still laugh every single time at him stealing the light from Luke and then having to fight for it with R2-D2. His whole introduction, eating his food, chucking stuff out of his lunchbox or toolbox, whatever it is at that particular time. 
and Yoda's transition within those few minutes, like you said, from this really comical, almost silly character to a certain extent, but done so well, so it never crosses that border of too silly, becomes this wise, all-knowing person from it, as soon as his conversation comes in with Ben and have argument. Also, I love the feeling of, even though Dagobah, the Dagobah system, where Luke goes especially when he first gets there, seems pretty hostile. I mean, poor R2-D2 gets, I think, swallowed and spit out by a swamp creature. Mm. The droids don't really get a good day of it in this film. No, C-3PO <laughs> probably gets blasted to pieces, I'm thinking by Boba Fett, and then put back together in sections. And R2 gets eaten by a swamp creature and spat out half the way across the woodland. Yeah. But I like how... You arrive at the Dagobah system and it very much seems like a hostile world. But then as soon as, firstly, when Luke sets up his little camp and then when he goes to Yoda's hut, it almost has this comforting coziness about it. I really enjoy those scenes of him on Dagobah, apart from the freaky scene where Luke's Vader and he chops his head off. But the other scenes, to and after that, it's like a really cozy relaxing point in the film which is just enjoyable to watch especially with luke's interactions with yoda is very enjoyable to watch and it's great the expansion they do ways of the force jedi training something that's the only thing i would wish for more in this film is more time between luke and yoda and going through different jedi techniques yeah, and uh, I suppose I, th I think we'd all love that, but it's and I think Luke would have loved that in the film too. But that's kind of his that that's the interesting part about his internal battle between doing what is right by the Jedi and doing what he feels is right, which the Jedi feel that makes him stray perhaps to the dark side and and that possible well, ending really. Um, but I do have to agree that I do find the Dagobah set scenario really I also I love it as well because I think you know as, as I mentioned you you start a new hope with Tatooine and that's mainly the kind of the main alien galaxy planet that you see in a new hope really um, because most of the other scenes are on the Death Star and then in the rebel base and then flying around space but here after Hoth, where we encounter some, you know, some life there, um, which is native to Hoth and is alien life. But Dagobah is really where you get a, a look at a, a another new, completely new planet within the galaxy and, and the, the mystery that, that it, it contains and the, the strange. So it, it really feels like a sci-fi setting, you know, like a, it could have a place in, in Star Trek or any any sci-fi series really because it it's so well first of all it's i mean it's complete swampland and it's mysterious and and things live there which are like yoda which are incredibly sophisticated and and, and knowledgeable but then there are also the rest of it, it just seems completely wild so you're not really sure what to make of the place and then of course the fact that yoda points out that there is an area around him that is very strong in the dark side of the force then even plunges Dagobah into this kind of further mystery of what sort of planet it is and why it would hold that type of uh, type of area really. Uh, so I think it, it's it's it is a, a really 
it's it's a great set to use to expand the universe and the galaxy and then and of course the the jedi training and and what yoda is and 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 his context as well and it's funny that you mentioned his house because i also love his house i find it so cozy when they're in there <laughs> during the rain and luke's eating his food and and it, it, again it, it's that building of alien culture that makes it so valuable to sci-fi fans like ourselves that you just really want more of it and and the film does give you more because again you know later on we then you know see Leia and Han on 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 the comet and being in the worm and that's another kind of really interesting set piece that just again the audience is so unassuming about what it is and what's going on and then the whole shock of them having rested up in a worm and that which then tries to eat them is it's so dramatic and so sci-fi that it's it's brilliant and uh, and then of course you know the, the final scene of Cloud City and and just what that is I I feel that this film really does pay a lot of sci-fi fan service. I would say Star Wars fan service, but it's generally just, it expands sci-fi so much in terms of those those odd planets far away and interesting creatures that live there and mysterious things that dwell beneath. And I, I just love so much about how this film is able to explore these different sets. And, and yeah, the, the meteor scene. I mean, it's just another great side story, isn't it? I love another characters getting tangled up along the way on part of this part of the story with their own side adventures i love the multiple different adventures that happen across the film it really makes for a really enjoyable ride that never lets up the whole entire time because you have all these different sequences the cloud city sequence firstly for han leia and chewie before luke even gets there and then you have Luke's confrontation with Darth Vader on that scene. But the meteor scene is always one of my favourites. Finding out they're inside this big alien's body and having to fly out. And it's it's a brilliant beat to add to the story. It's a brilliant section written in. It's another way to explore the humour that we now get a lot more of between Han and Chewie, Han and Leia. C-3PO's perfect... Um, interruption of Han and Leia kissing in the in the back of the Falcon so so many different elements and once again they really even though this film is a film that pretty much has the Empire winning every confrontation that they have apart from when Han and Leia managed to escape for a little bit through the trash and through the meteor and all that mm. but it really has the Empire winning continuously throughout the film but they still manage to add that humour in. A perfect level where it's needed and where it just makes the story, it always adds to the story, never takes away from it. Definitely, definitely. And I think that, I love that meteor scene as well. And a big reason also why I love it is, I think that scene, and also as you mentioned, like the garbage scene, how they get away from the empire and also how I, I, and the scene prior to that, when Han is essentially confusing the star destroyers and they almost crash into each other because essentially they're all chasing him. I love those three scenes because it tells you so much about Han and his background and his sort, because I had written down on my notes, it's like more of Han's tricks. And that's because in, again, in a new hope, we see some of his, his sort of tricks and his smuggling kind of holds and the millennium Falcon. But then, here we really see that he's actually quite a, a smart smuggler and, and probably why he's he's 
gone up the ranks in the rebellion because he he is so quick on to react to different situations and he's so innovative with his and and it, you know and he he takes the kind of scoundrel approach where he does these little things that confuse people and then but then he always manages to benefit because it's he, he's clearly done it before and uh, and that's why I love about the meteor scene and and again you know he's always got that kind of cockiness pepper throughout it where he it's he's reassuring himself that he's doing the right thing even though everyone's there telling him he's doing the wrong thing but ultimately he ends up doing right by by most for, well, for a lot of the film and outsmarting the empire as well in all their might and i think that's so so indicative as well of how the rebellion fights against them and how they're always even though the empire is winning these bigger battles it is the rebellion still you know they're still chasing the rebels and try and the rebels are still outmaneuvering them in in a lot of ways and so i think that's a really interesting point for han and as I mentioned earlier as well, I think for me as well, the, the, the meteor scene, and generally I think across the whole film, the Han and Leia relationship is so well explored and discovered and, and it's done at a pace where it doesn't feel rushed. It feels quite natural actually and how they go from that sort of flirty bickering on, on Hoth to then being trapped together on the Falcon and, and Han impressing her with these new tricks and then you know, helping her in, in her, whether she's fixing something on the Falcon or worried about something on the Cloud City, he's always kind of there for her. And, and you can see how they grow more fond of each other and also more in need of each other uh, for their situations. And I, I love that that whole relationship over the entire thing. And then, of course, at the end, you get that, you know, when Han's about to be frozen in carbonite, that beautiful line of, I love you and I know. And it's just so such a perfect way of summing up how they've come to that point and and i i think you know rewatching this time i really picked up on how effective that whole relationship was especially because you know you start with the the awkward kiss scene on on hoth well you know it became awkward later on but initially it's 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 i love that introduction because it you think that han and leia are going to be together but then of course you know leia kisses lucas this demonstration to han to say like hey you know i'm still a free agent and you know i don't need you etc and just from that moment it becomes this there's such great chemistry between harrison ford and and carrie fisher in their roles and that it just i i love that that, that watching them develop and, and and becoming you know the couple that they they became uh over the film it, it this you know there's just so much quality character development that yeah, you re you really grow to love the characters by the end of the film. And I mean, particularly Han, because as I had mentioned in the New Hope episode, I mean, for most of it, like no one really likes him. And he is this sort of pretty, you know, shallow guy who just is chasing a paycheck most of the time so that he doesn't get beheaded or frozen in carbonite by Jabba. But then here you really see that actually he's he's much more than that. He's he's smart. He's he's cunning. He's emotionally intelligent. He's caring. He... he He's respected as well. I mean, that that's, yeah, I, I really love his kind of arc within this film. Uh, I mean, I love his arc generally, but I think in, within this film as well, as I said, I mean, it, I think it works for all the characters really, though, that all of their arcs in this film, the, the, the film really does do a lot of them good service in, in driving them forwards and maturing them as well. Yeah, and I feel Han comes such a long way in that maturity and in that character development for sure and it's yeah it's an extremely character driven film and it's really well written to develop a lot of these characters and it also 
halfway through the film, it introduces us to some of the most iconic characters. And when we get, we really get Boba Fett, the Emperor, Lando, Yoda, big names that we get halfway through this film and establishing these characters. But they all seamlessly mold into the film, into the story, like they've been there from the beginning. We also get that awesome, I just quickly cut back to that awesome scene with Vader talking to all the different bounty hunters, oh. that that glimpse of bounty hunters that run with people's imaginations for decades afterwards. But yeah, there are so many great character written pieces within this film, character brilliantly developing storylines for all the characters. That's why... That's why I feel probably this film ends up being a lot of people's favourite film. Because not only does it take on that mantle of being a sequel, which is always a hard thing, especially after Star Wars A New Hope was so well universally loved. It must have been one hell of a daunting task to then tell the next beat of the story, which it does so well. But it also sets up the third film so well gives so much depth to the characters that we go into the third film not feeling that we haven't seen enough of anybody to know what their story is and to know where they currently are going into um, Return of the Jedi. But obviously one of the big moments, the key moments in the whole film, probably over the course of the whole entire saga, and boy did I wish I was in a cinema in 1980 to hear <laughs> the words, I am your father, ah. the first time, and hear an audience's reaction, because that just must have been one hell of a moment. Oh, I mean, and what a scene building up to it. It really, again, it, it's in A New Hope, we have such a limited lightsaber battle between Obi-Wan and, and Vader, and and I, I find that the, the battle with Luke and Vader is really, it's just... I mean, the leading up to, as you said, like the I am your father line is, I mean, what the, the line itself is just brilliant and so unbelievably epic. And everyone, <laughs> I'm sure, was throwing their popcorn in the air in, in the cinema. But uh, I mean, the lead up to it, just the whole, as you mentioned, that area on Cloud City where Hand gets frozen in carbonite. I mean, that already is just so, again, it's it's you know, right at the end of the film, but the tone of the film hasn't changed from the beginning. It's bleak, it's dark, it's, you know, unsure. It, it feels mysterious. And and that setup for their fight is just it's so atmospheric. And, and there's so much of a an interest, or a, a kind of an interesting aesthetic to it to help create that sort of good versus evil. And then as the fight develops and they continue and obviously Vader is showing his true Jedi power against another Jedi. And, and you really start to see, first of all, how adept he is in terms of fighting, but then also just using the force, whether it's, you know, flying down the stairs or throwing things at Luke. And I mean, you really realize that he is this incredibly powerful person. And actually, and that Luke is completely out of his depth and, and that's the interesting thing is that, you know, Yoda's been there warning him beforehand that he, he's not ready. And and initially you think that maybe Luke might be able to overcome it, but then to not only lose the battle, but then to, you know, experience this massive <laughs> hardship that his ultimate nemesis is his father. And, oh, I mean, when it, his reaction when he turns away, it's just one of those just 
what a like what a twist what a cinematic twist and what a build-up to to that moment and you know we and we had discussed in in the new hope episode about the sorts of challenges that these characters overcome and and really for luke as the main protagonist especially you know from the jedi perspective i mean that is just such a an important moment for his character to really become luke skywalker jedi knight and it's such a wonderfully dramatic and brilliantly written moment that it's i mean it's unsurprising that it's become so iconic in 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 the years afterwards i mean it's such a huge part of pop culture as well that i mean it's always interesting when you hear about these kind of pop culture pieces. And I remember when I was young and watching Star Wars for the first time and telling people like, oh, I watched Star Wars. Everyone would always say that line, like, I am your father. And it, it really transcends the series and and Star Wars just even as it's <laughs> just a just one part of sci-fi. I mean, it goes beyond that. And and I think that's because the film is just it's so balanced and well made and it builds up to such a, a dramatic point that and as we've been saying it's been and it's so different in tone and, and pace from a new hope that really that payout at the end is is just it's, it's glorious I, i'm i'm it's it's not surprising re-watching this film that so many people regard it so highly and i think you know as you kind of touched upon as well the for me the standout thing about the original trilogy is just how good empire strikes back is as a second film because when i think about any trilogy really of any famous very famous iconic trilogy whether it's matrix or indiana jones or the second film is usually the one that suffers the most because it has because usually they have such like with the star wars trilogy they have such a, a an amazing opening film or starting film that uh, to follow it up it's it's such a challenge within itself but that's kind of the glory of empire strikes back is that it takes such a different route to a new hope that it becomes this completely new experience but so well tied in with the themes and the characters that it's completely different but at the same time very familiar and satisfying to all those familiar elements as well and it's another one as well that luke once again goes through this huge massive emotional journey he goes from right at the beginning nearly being taken out by a wampa and yeah. not surviving that then he sees Ben and gets this instruction to go and find the Jedi Master that is Yoda. And then he has that emote kind of confrontation with himself in the Darth Vader uniform and trying to deal with the dark side elements to the mm. Force and learning the Force. And then he goes back um, way before... We know this, that it's way before he's ready to, on a Jedi level, and probably ready to, on an emotional level, to confront have a confrontation with vader mm. then he gets the bombshell that he's his dad and loses his hand as well and finds out that his new best friend han is frozen in carbonite so it's it's not really a great couple of hours for luke mm. <laughs> but once again it's another extremely well character development because that mm. sets him up so much for the time you see him again in Return of the Jedi, you know, all in the dark and the fact that he went back and finished even more of his training. It's another, it's a one hell of an emotional ride. And for me, it's one of those things that it's why New Hope kind of pips it to the post for me, because I just very much a guy who loves beginnings of story 
and loves the hopefulness of story and i always get that slight feeling even though empire kind of feel ends up ends in a hopeful spin with them all in the hospital room looking out into space and lando and chewy flying off on a mission still kind of feels slightly bummed out absolutely yeah you do feel bummed out by the end of it but i think um as you said kind of earlier as well with those those side characters like lando and and on the empire side like boba fett you, you that's what's kind of great about this about empire strikes back is that even though it ends like that there, it feels like there's more story to be told and that you know i mean of course but through just the continuation of these these side characters as well it it feels like that the the universe continues to grow and from the audience perspective as well it's just that there's so much more to learn really um and i you know and coming back to what you were saying earlier and and how important those side characters are and expanding the universe and you know i was because thinking about someone like lando and, and cloud city and and boba fett for example there's again it's it's like with yoda that they're such key characters but then they also provide so much context to the, the star wars galaxy i mean the bounty hunters working for the empire i mean that already is such an interesting relationship because it goes to show that first of all the empire aren't as strong as cunning and cunning as they'd hope to be or want to be uh and that there is this this black market for gangsters and and hitmen and assassins that you know that operates throughout the galaxy and they they use these and that's what i love about boba fett is that even though he barely has any speaking roles like his actions throughout it you know, freezing uh, han in well i mean he he's opposed to it originally but chasing han after the the garbage uh dump and things like you know it, it, again it, it's that cunning that he has a similar cunning to han solo and that's what's so interesting is that builds out the galaxy with these smart characters and and of course lando and and the way he governs cloud city and and his whole relationship with the empire as well and the fact that they stay under the radar because they're small enough to and they have a, a deal and of course we find out what the deal is but again it's it's that beautiful character and, and set and scenario development that really just makes you want to what you drink in this film and then you really just want to carry on drinking more as to whatever else there is so yeah i think those those side characters are incredibly important for helping move the story along and then also yeah providing that that glimmer of hope and and intrigue at the end of the film as well yeah where lando's just slyly pretty much wearing a han rap replica outfit but you know we we ignore that for a second because i really want to talk about because it is one of my favorite scenes in all of star wars and it's the imperial walkers against the snow speeders in the hoss sequence i mean the snow speeders for me i had i remember getting hand-me-down toys from the original trilogy when i was young me before i really even knew what star wars was and the snow speeders or technically if you want to be the t47 air speeder (laughs) was my favorite toy and it's my favorite ship across the whole original trilogy i love the two-way seat um the way one person's controlling the guns and the harpoons and everything in the back and it is a scene to be marveled at for once again awesome visual effects especially on the imperial walkers when they're just walking over um you can see them walking in the horizon another brilliant design 
for the Imperial Walkers themselves and then so well executed. And it gives a massive shout out to good old Wedge for being the badass that tripped up the Walker. But also, I love the fact, and I didn't really notice this before, but Luke's pilot that he has behind him, I think it's Dag or Dak, he's just a bit useless. Yeah. (laughs) Every time Luke's like, do this, he's like, I don't know what's happening. (laughs) I mean, being killed within the first few seconds is rather useless. But for me, that's my favourite scene of the whole film. Is there a particular scene that stands out to you visually as being your favorite part of the film yeah i mean you know it's, it's funny that you mentioned the attacks because i was going to also bring up the attacks and um and how effective they are as these sort of menacing vehicles of the empire that you know operate on hearth and and you know and initially they they feel quite almost clumsy and slow and it's like oh you know what can they do and then you see just how destructive they are and how impossible they are to take down and it's funny that you mentioned the speeder scene as well, because whenever I think of the speeder harpoon scene with the Atats, I always think of... Um, it always reminds me of Rogue Squadron, which was the the Star Wars flying game. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's a new one now, but back in the day, we used to play on GameCube, my brother and I. And I've got it. Uh, it's. I mean, it's such an epic game. I, I used to always love the Rogue Squadron games. Like, the, the ships in Star Wars and the, the flying missions are always epic, but... I always remember the annoyance of the Hoth level and having to take down the Atats and spinning around them with the speeder. And <laughs> I remember initially never being able to do it and finding it so frustrating flying into the, the legs of the Atat. But then once you get it, you're like, it's just the most satisfying thing to see them fall over. And whenever I watch the film now, it's whenever Wedge does the, the round and then he, he they fall over, it's like, yes, God, oh, I know the frustration you feel, Wedge. Like, nice job. So it's, 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 uh, I mean, it, that, that whole, sequence really is is interesting on hoth i mean from even also vader's entrance on hoth it, it kind of echoes back to his entrance on on a new hope but again it's it's him kind of chasing as well and it, as we it's like an ideal introduction to the film because it really like puts him in the position that he's chasing them and he doesn't catch them and then the whole film is him trying to chase them and then eventually him catching them and and so that whole hoth battle sequence is it's it's great and it it's it's it really shows as well that the production has moved kind of beyond what a new hope had established it, it, it's bigger it's better it's it's got more bells and whistles but in not in a again not in a kind of ott or exaggerated way it's just very calmly placed in and so effective to again highlight and represent the empire and and the struggle that the rebels have against the empire and the fact that they're always so overpowered militarily and you know with their equipment but that they have to rely on on things like you know the speeder to you know these cunning innovative methods to to get around them and I, and that's why I love it again about empire strikes back is that I think with other star wars films that I'm sure we'll get onto later on sometimes the rebe- well the rebellion or the rebels are almost a bit naive in their plans but i feel that in empire strikes back that and of course in a new hope that that really is it shows a lot about the the how the rebellion operates and actually how they're able to make such impacts on the empire even though they are so much smaller in comparison and it, it's just that it's so well introduced and then balanced throughout the film and i think yeah that kind of hoth battle scene is that that 
perfect representation to start with really yeah yeah definitely and another thing i wanted uh, a touch on because i know we haven't mentioned this just yet but two elements if you put them together in your minds which i know a lot of people do over the course of this film is when we get to see vader inside his console you get to see the helmet come on for the first time and it's mm. the first time you see under the helmet to see scarred man half machine mishmash of a person which just adds more scariness to his character really but then all the way through the film right to the end and how then luke becomes part machine after having his hand chopped off and i I just like that it's a subtle connection it's a connection that is seen more and talked about more as the films and the other sequels and everything has have gone on and have been made with the again in the prequels Anakin getting his um hand chopped off as well and becoming part machine before he becomes Vader but yeah I love that subtleness to those couple of story beats yeah those are actually really that's that's a really good point that you see the human side of Vader in that brief flash of his damaged head and then when Luke gets the hand and he becomes more mechanized like Vader it it's as you said, it's that subtle kind of hint towards the fact that Vader is not completely robotic or, you know, who he he appears to be, that there is a human underneath it and that Luke is actually, and as we've seen with Luke's arc, that towards the end of it, it he could really go either way. I mean, he he talks about being a Jedi, but then the fact that Vader is his father and he's beckoning to him and he wants to rule with him and then he becomes more robotic like Vader. It's almost like that Luke is at a crossroads at the end to to between his kind of human self and where he and where he could be, which is as Vader as we see in in his Jedi training, and and those subtle hints are so well placed to to pepper in that character development and and that intrigue really for the audience to to help them imagine where these characters could go or or you know how much lies in the balance for them and and the, and these small elements really are, are these what well, these small details are so important for that and uh, yeah it, it uh, those key i remember the 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 darth vader head scene and as i'd mentioned you know i had originally watched the star wars with uh, the well, the kind of a, the original trilogy with my family my aunt and uncle and uh, at their house in spain in barcelona and i remember that particular scene everyone kind of being very quiet and, and my uncle pointing it out and saying like look, look at Vader's head and you know he's 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 still human and things like that and it was such a kind of an interesting point to kind of highlight that oh actually Vader is he's damaged he's he's a damaged human being under all that and that he's, he's but he is human you know so it, it's almost like a glimmer of hope that it's like oh it's not all black and and faceless it's it's there is a person under there and then of course by the end of it the fact that he is revealed as Luke's father it's so intriguing that you know, first, I mean, I'm sure so many people in the cinema were like, wait a minute, how how the hell can Vader have sex? You know, does, <laughs> I mean, does he take the mask off during or and the cape or does he leave the cape on, you know? Um, and uh, again, so much intrigue that you're just crying out for more by the end of it, really. I love your auntie and uncle's dedication to how invested they were in these films and pointing elements like that out to you. That's just brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those kind of, 
again it's one of those key elements as well that when you watch it as a kid that it doesn't feel that child friendly but as a kid you're so intrigued by it and so captivated by like oh my god like it's not what what it seems and it's almost confusing but it's such a an important point that it it feels even though it's a short time or a short scene i should say it adds so much to the story and and the detail of the characters and as we've been saying the character development i mean it's so strong in this film that those like keep every little detail in, in this film feels like a valuable piece of information that we want to know about our protagonist and the villains really so how kind of does empire sit for you at the end then because for me it's it's a film which is gigantic fan service to science fiction fans characters have grown and even better than what we knew them before it's a film that doesn't lose pace at any point in time it never lags it's always exciting there's always something different going on whether it's a new major character it's a different storyline different element where does empire sit for you i mean really it just it takes all the elements that we love in a new hope and it, it takes them even further i mean it really is a remarkable film for building upon the foundation of a new hope and i mean just as we've been saying like the production value is bigger the the storyline is is expanded and the characters are developed further um we're given so much more about the force and the battle between the jedi and the sith and good and evil and you know we're introduced to characters like you know huge characters like yoda who starts off silly and then ends up being the wisest most powerful jedi that you can imagine i mean you know lifting the x-wing out of the swamp i mean that's such a an, again another iconic scene and just goes to demonstrate his power and then of course you see it from vader's side as well talking with the emperor and they're cunning to to capture luke and then the way he convinced tries to convince luke at the end and and seduce him with with the dark side of the force and i mean there's just so much star wars fan service there and then as we've been saying that as just a sci-fi film it it, it does alien planets and alien creatures so well that you just you want to learn more and and as a star wars fan i think this is probably one of the films that really sparks that larger canon interest for many fans that people want to read about the background of these planets and these characters and and what went before and the types of ships they use and things like that and i mean even things like uh han solo's carbon freezing i mean that is such a an interesting (laughs) bit of technology um and so, again, so dramatic and so shocking that, it, it again, it's one of those brilliant cinematic moments where you're not entirely sure of the future, but it's it's interesting to see it up to that point. And, I, and there's just so much, just so much to take away from this film in, in terms of, as a film by itself, but then as a film within the Star Wars franchise. I mean, it really, it, it, it probably does, I think that's why it's so well loved, that it probably does the most for fan service in the most in the best way really i think that fans would expect so which is why it's so beloved and and also because it's so different to a new hope it's not a rehash it's a completely different film that really is you know and credit to lucas and 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 kirshner and 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 gary kurtz as well who produced um new hope and empire strikes back that they were really bold enough to take that you know and brave enough to take that kind of completely different approach and i think you know Film fans and Star Wars fans love and appreciate that. And it, I think that's probably why 
it's become such a an iconic sequel and film in itself. And as we said, you know, as I was saying earlier, you know, with with trilogies, any famous trilogy that you think of, the second film is rarely ever better than the first one or rarely ever the best film of the three. And actually the fact that Empire Strikes Back does that is really quite a remarkable achievement. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, especially on the factor that the achievement of being a sequel, we know the history of sequels and it really hits a home run with this one. So I think that's a brilliant place to end it. Thanks, dude, for joining me once again to revisit this original trilogy that we love so much. And also leaving it on one of my favourite lines of the whole entire film. Laugh it up, fuzzball. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a pleasure, dude. Cheers, dude. Hi guys, I just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to another episode of Jedi Order Podcast. Please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe and may the force be with you. (laughs) 